up, everybody? You're listening to the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast. I'm your host, virtual marketing coach and fellow creative soul, Miranda Rodriguez. In this podcast, you'll get expert marketing guidance that you can implement on your own, and you'll learn how marketing your business can be simple, doable, and fun. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast, episode number 103, Positioning versus Differentiating. This is the second installment of our Marketing 201 series. So if you haven't already, you'll want to go back and listen to episode 102, where we talk about creating a vision. And as always, if you're ready to improve the way you market your business, but you're not quite sure where to start, Start by visiting marketinguninhibited.com, where you can take the free Marketing 101 workshop, which you really should do before moving into these more advanced topics. In the Marketing 101 workshop, we cover the basics, target audience, mission statement, brand pillars, all of that good stuff. And you also get a free one-page brand guide template and a four-week marketing action plan calendar. So go check that out at marketinguninhibited.com. While you're there, you can schedule your free 30-minute consultation and introducing, I guess bringing back, the Uninhibited Jumpstart. So this is a new, a re- returning, new, refresh, paid service. Um, I used to offer it a while ago, and I am bringing it back because you guys have reached out asking me for one-off meetings. So as you know, I offer monthly marketing coaching. I do that in six-month installments, six or 12 months. Um, And I know not everybody is ready to make that leap or ready for, you know, that commitment at this time. So the Uninhibited Jumpstart is a one-time meeting for creative entrepreneurs that, that are looking to breathe new life into their marketing. Um, This is also a great option if you have a problem you're looking to solve, maybe you are looking to pivot something in your business, Um, and with this 90-minute meeting, you get four weeks of virtual support from yours truly. So that could be via email, text, or Voxer, which is uh, voice notes. So you can find all of the details for that on my website as well, marketinguninhibited.com. All right, guys, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. The sun is shining. I got the dog to doggy daycare. (laughs) We got Rebel to go hang out with my sister. Who knows what's going to happen? There's hair dye involved, I think, today. So we'll see how I'll I'll be sure to share photos if Rebel gets a little purple stripe in her hair today. Um, I wanted to talk about positioning because it is very important to helping us clarify our messaging and how we speak to our target audience and how our target audience finds us. Um, So if you haven't already, I will suggest going back to episode 98 and listening to that one before starting here, because in episode 98, we talked about playing to our strengths. And that episode was really focused on helping you identify your strengths as a business owner and your strengths as a business. Like what about your personality sets your business apart? And what about your, your, your unique personality helps create, you know, define the way you run your business and the way you interact with your customers. 
And, and in that episode, we talk about two more marketing 201 topics, and that is unique selling proposition and SWOT analysis. Um, so if you haven't listened to it yet, a SWOT analysis is a strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats analysis that helps you better understand your business. So start there before continuing on with this episode. If you've already listened to that one, let's get it moving. Okay, today we're going to help you figure out your business to figure out where your business based on the things from episode 98. So based on your strengths, your weaknesses, your unique selling proposition, um, the opportunities and the threats, where your business is positioned in your industry. We want to answer the questions, what role does your business play in your industry? And in what corner of your industry have you staked your cute little flag, or maybe it's like a giant freak flag, whatever flag that comes to mind, Um, what corner of your industry have you staked that flag and said, this is where I'm going to operate. I claim this little territory right here. And I say little because this, the point of this exercise that we'll get to in a little bit is really to help you define like the smallest possible market. I think You know, in the last episode, we were talking about vision statements, which really is big picture thinking. Um, But so much of what we do in this business should be focused on just connecting with the smallest, most loyal market that we can create and developing a community that is small but mighty. And you don't need a lot of followers. You don't need a lot of customers to to hit your goals, whatever those may be, whether it's income goals, whether it's quitting a part-time or full-time job, whether it's playing to strength, um, you know, schedule freedom, whatever it is. So we want to focus, like I want to get you in the mindset today as you listen to the rest of this episode to really think about how can you create and have an impact on the smallest possible market of people. Because we all know, especially if you create a product, um, well, and for example, you know, I sell a service that when you have a small group of loyal customers, that is incredibly sustainable for your business, right? We know in general that it is cheaper to sell to existing happy customers than it is to try and gain new customers. Getting new customers is is definitely playing for the long game. Whenever I have something new to announce or a new service to launch, even price increases, um, I announce those to my existing customers first because they are the easiest to sell. They've already been working with me. They've already seen results. And so, um, for example, I just went through, I think I talked about this yesterday, renewals with clients, and I had 100% renewal rate, which is amazing, and a lot of them moved up in price to they, the ones who weren't already are now at the 2021 pricing. And so that can seem like maybe backwards. You think like, oh, well, and maybe this is just like a thought that came into my head, like, is, is raising the price like a nice way to say thank you to my loyal clients? Um, but in fact, it is because I, I can't talk to you about raising your prices and establishing your position in the market and 
um, selling to your loyal customers first without being an example of that, right? So I can't sit up here and be a hypocrite. Well, I guess I could, but you guys wouldn't trust me as much. So um, that's what the point of defining your position is, is asking yourself, you know, like, how do I define myself within my industry? And how can I use that position to communicate with my audience? How do I, and how do I communicate that specific position to them? And you position it in a way that says like, this is the option I want to provide for my my consumers. So for example, I provide you guys with monthly marketing coaching. So it's super feasible for your schedules, right? Because you only have to see my face for 60 minutes every month. And I send follow-up emails with the marketing action plan and no one ever replies. Like I and I don't ever respect expect a reply because I know you guys are busy. I know that based on the way our meetings go, you're all checking the emails I send you and operating from those marketing action plans on a month-to-month basis. But you don't reply and that is totally cool with me. I actually like it because I'm one of those people who like if we had to go back and forth like thank you, no thank you, have a great day, no you have a great day, you know, and then it's like a hundred emails later and I have a hard time cutting that stuff off like even in text messages because I don't want to be rude. Um, Okay, that was a side note. So let's get back to positioning versus differentiation. So you will hear both of these terms in relation to marketing, and I'm going to define them for you so you can understand the difference and why we focus on positioning and not differentiating, okay? So to define positioning, a question you want to ask yourself is, in in regards to positioning, is how can I help my people? Can I offer them a service so that they can better see what their choices are in our industry, right? Can I give them another option? What is the option that I want to provide to my customers? So I know some of you listening have storefronts, you have boutiques, and the option you have provided just on a a basic level, right? On a service level, because there are things that even as we get into that industry that will say, you guys apart um, from from one place to the other. But on a service level, anyone who's who's running a storefront that has um, curated artisans, so they sell products that are handmade, they're a lot of them local, um, a lot of them made by women only. So you have given your customers an option to support, local female-owned businesses, right? This is the position you've taken as a storefront, as a boutique, as a shop. You've said, I'm going to run this place and I'm only going to stock it with local handmade stuff where like that artisan can come in here, drive to me every month and drop off new products, right? This is not something you are like shipping in from a wholesale website, which is an option too. And there's no judgment either way. And that's the other thing. As we go throughout this, you have to really focus on yourself and focus on your target audience and their wants and their needs versus what your competition is doing, right? It's not about judging the competition. It's not about any one business or person, business owner being better than anyone else. It's just 
really truly about getting to know your business even more and being able to articulate that to your customers, right? So the HubSpot definition for positioning, you guys know I love me some HubSpot definitions, is market positioning describes how a business chooses to serve the industry it's in. A brand's market position considers the position of its competitors and the needs of its customers before creating its own identity. Agencies, in particular, can position themselves a variety of ways to distinguish their services from others in the same market. Okay, that was a mouthful, so let's break it down. Your market position describes how your business chooses to serve the industry it's in. A brand's market position considers, considers, not judges, not poo-poos, not (laughs) compares, but considers the position of its competitors and the needs of its customers. Okay, you guys got it? So that's positioning. It's how a business chooses, chooses to serve the industry it's in while considering the position of the competitors and the needs of its customers. Okay, positioning done. We are moving into differentiating now. So differentiating means how do I get people to me? How do I stand out? Versus positioning where the question was, how can I help my people? What services can I offer them so they can see what their choices are? Or can I offer them a service so they can see what their choices are? Positioning is much more focused on being generous to your customer. Whereas differentiating is all about you, about making you stand out. I want to stand out. I created this. It's the best. People should buy it. How do I get it to them, right? It's not about, it's not focused on the consumer and what their needs are. There, There's no consideration there. So <clears throat> by definition, just to remind you, the positioning definition is how a business chooses to serve the industry it's in while considering the position of its competitors and the needs of its customers. All right, the HubSpot definition for differentiation It says, product differentiation refers to the strategy used by businesses to highlight the unique features and benefits of its own product or service to separate it from the competitors. The marketing team communicates these unique qualities through their campaigns and promotions, and the sales team can use them to demonstrate the product's competitive advantage. So as you can see, there is no no mention there of your target audience in that definition. And that's the main difference. The positioning is how you choose to position your business and your industry to serve your target audience in the best way possible versus creating something regardless of what your target audience wants or needs and trying to get it in their faces, right? And the... so. I just bear with me here. 
We're going to define this a little more and then we're going to do an exercise that will help you figure this out for your business. So I hope you guys are staying with me as we go through this. So positioning equals consistency. It means making a promise to your audience that says, here I am. This is the corner of the market that I'm going to operate in and everything you buy from me will will fit in this corner of the market. So it's making a promise and keeping it. It's making your offer and your promise generous. It's saying like showing your customer and telling them and delivering on all of that, on all that you promised by just showing up consistently, but also saying like, how, how else can I serve you? What else can I give you in this corner of this market that you need? right? Really this operating a position of the market and operating from this place of marketing, positioning is like, is the empathetic way to market your business because it's about underseeing and understanding your target audience. When you know your position in the market, you will not care what anyone else is doing because you have claimed your area all for yourself. You have figured out an area of the market that is unique and you're able to show up there in a unique way because you are an individual that has created a business. Your personality is a part of that into business, part of that business, part of marketing that business. So that that alone makes you unique. Um, but you've claimed this area all for yourself. You've said to yourself, You've said to your customers, if this is what you want, then I am for you. If you want something else, then she's for you, right? So I, so for example, if you make candles, some of you that I work with, I know some of you are willing to take custom candle orders, right? Like someone can come to you. Now you have your own pricing and, you know, structure around that, but there are some of you out there that say, yeah, I, I will do custom orders. There are others of you that I know that don't do custom orders based on your schedules, based on you know past experience with custom custom orders. You no longer take custom orders because it's just it can be a pain in the ass, right? And that's okay. And so when someone, for example, if I want a custom candle for my wedding, which one day Marshall and I will get around to planning a wedding, <laughs> but let's say I want a custom candle and I go to the candle person one, and she says, hey, I would really love to help you, but I don't make custom candles anymore. However, my friend and business owner over here does. I suggest you reach out to her, right? It's as simple as that, is owning your position and not being afraid to let that client go. Your job is not to convince the customer that they are wrong about what they want. So if I go to you and I say, hey, I want a custom candle order. And instead of saying, oh, that's cool. Like, congratulations on your wedding. I don't do custom candle orders. Here's my friend over here that does. You say, "Mm, I don't do custom candle orders, but have you considered buying this other candle that I offer in bulk? I'll give you a discount on it. It won't be custom. It won't have your name on it for the wedding day, but it, it will smell good and I'll get a discount on it. And what you're really thinking is, and I won't lose this sale. 
And that is sleazy selling and marketing. I know a lot of you like to focus on being authentic and being genuine. And I don't think a lot of you do this, but um, that kind of marketing and selling where you are more concerned about losing the sale or losing the money or the paycheck is scarcity mindset. That is marketing from a place of not what's best for you. I mean, not what's best for your client, but what's best for you. So the whole point of this positioning exercise is to get you in the mind frame of communicating with your audience and paying attention to what they need and serving them there where with what they need. It is so your job isn't to convince the customer that they're wrong about what they want. It is to deliver on what it is they want or not. If what they want is not what you offer, then you refer them out. You don't make excuses. You don't make exceptions. You don't discount them just to keep them on because you know what happens when you do that. We've all done it, right? I've done it. I've made exceptions. I've had cli- I've taken on clients who wanted me to run their social media. Not anymore, but in the beginning. And you guys, that's like my least favorite part of marketing is running social media. And a lot of you, I talked about it yesterday, are much better at this. Um, but... I, I took them on and then you know what happens is like I don't show up fully. I don't do work that I don't I don't put out quality work because it's not something I want to do. And so then I resent it. And sometimes and that will happen if you do things at a discount, right? You offer a discount because in the moment you thought it was a good idea. Um, and if you're you thought it was a good idea because you didn't want to lose that client. And if you're operating from that mindset, what happens is when it comes time to make their product that you've discounted, which is your time and your money, and you discounted it because you wanted to keep them around, and then you find out thinking like, you know what? This wasn't worth it anyway. I won't do that again. And and you do have the ability to offer discounts when you want to in your business, and you just have to make sure it's coming from the right place, from a place of like, yes, I really want to work with this person. It's not about the money here. It's about working with them and helping them and serving them in the best way possible. So again, it is not your job to convince the customer that they're wrong about what they want. Let that sink in. You have to be okay with letting them go, knowing that letting go of the wrong ones is what makes room for the right ones. And I know you guys have heard that before, and I know all of us, like in the beginning, I mean, and sometimes in the beginning to just gain experience and to kind of get some traction and a footing in your industry, you you will have to say yes to everything, right? And sometimes that just helps you figure out like what you'll say no to in the future. And that's okay too. Um, but I'm really talking about now from this place of like having an, a more established business when you're in a position to say no. Knowing your position will help you clearly identify yourself and be able to communicate that position with your audience. Positioning is like waving a flag saying like, here I am over here. Over here, like I see you looking for custom candles and I see you looking in all the wrong places, but I'm here for you. I create custom candles and that's what I do and I love it and you're going to get the best product right here, right? And in, on the flip side, you're like, oh, I, you know, I see you poking around looking for custom candles. That's not what I do. 
But what I do is offer really great, you know, seasonal lines of candles, whatever the opposite (laughs) of custom is. Um, Okay, guys, so enough of defining those two terms. I think you get it. We're going to dive into today's exercise. So for today's exercise, I want you to, you will need a pen and paper for this one for sure. If you're driving, just think about it. Maybe come back to it later. Um, And honestly, once you do this exercise, you may want to come back to it at a later time. So what I want you to do is open to a fresh sheet of paper and draw an axis, a, a big axis, take up the whole page. So if you know, an axis is a fancy term for a cross a lowercase t, you know, um, (laughs) access was like taking me back to my, is it geometry that you do on graph paper? I don't know. We walked by our high school the other last night, we took the dog on a walk and they were having a football game and which is weird because it's March and there's football and there was like 50 people in the stands. But anyway, so we were just walking around and reminiscing about, high school and wow, so many things I've blocked out from high school. Marshall was like, yeah, remember that you used to do this here and go there and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I don't remember any of that shit. Blocked it out. Okay, you guys ready? Draw the axis. And now, and this is really fun and you can repeat this exercise as many times as you want to until you find the right position for you. So it's not about, so let me back up. So whatever your industry you're in will have so many words and characteristics, like defining terms for that industry. So this is where you'll see that you really have an opportunity here to like carve out your own position in the industry um, based on where you want to be. Or what, maybe it's like based on what it is you do in your business. Like most of you have already carved out this position. You just haven't necessarily labeled it yet. So draw the axis. And then what you're going to do is label the edges of the axis. So you, if you have a T, a big, a big T in the middle, you have four quadrants. Okay. So the top left quadrant, then the right one, then the other one, then the other one, right? Um, So on each end of each line, so on the, the ends of the vertical line, you will put labels there. On the ends of the horizontal line, you will put labels there and they will be opposites. So I have an example for you before we get started. Some of you guys know may know if you're local, um, New Moon Vegan. They are a, well, she's an at-home bakery right now, but she just got approved for her boardwalk shops in Batavia. And she, she Joe is her first name. Joe attended a workshop with me at the end of last year. And um, so it's been really fun to follow her journey. So I'm using her as an example today because I thought baked goods would be a great way to kind of paint a visual for you guys of this exercise. So so think about if you're Joe, right? You are a bakery owner and you are a local baker. So let's think about baked goods in general, right? So baked goods, 
Okay, let's pause for a second. I got ahead of myself. So as a consumer, let's think about baked goods. When you buy baked goods, if you know my mom, you know, if you follow her on social media, that she is a big fan of some local baked goods, right? Like my mom is always buying local and handmade, especially if it's a baked good. Now, there are other people, okay? So when you think about baked goods, you have local as an option. There are plenty of people who do not buy handmade cinnamon buns from Juanita. That's uh, my mom's favorite baker. She's at the farmer's market. Juanita from Biscochos. You buy, some people out there, they're like, they buy that that pack of, um, oh my gosh, what's it called? It's like made by, is it Sarah Lee? Like it, it's a pack and of cinnamon buns and they're all like sticky buns and they're all individually wrapped. Do you know what I'm talking about? They come in a, a long cardboard box. Okay, so you can go to Juanita at the farmer's market every Saturday and you can get like a fresh homemade, like she probably made it the day before, huge fluffy cinnamon bun. You can talk to her about her kids and her family. Like my mom, like this woman loves my mom so much that she'll just like give her extra baked goods. And finally I told my mom, I was like, hey, hey, we don't need any more pie over here. Thank you. Freeze it, donate it. (laughs) Okay. I'm like living in leggings as it is, mom. So you can do that or you can go to your local Target or Jewel or grocery store and buy a box of cinnamon buns that are pre-packaged and will last in your pantry (laughs) until the end of time, right? So you've got local and you've got brand name. You've got handmade and you've got mass produced, okay? These are the labels I'm talking about. So on your axis, on the vertical T for this example, For baked goods, we will put local at the top and you follow the line down and put mass produced. So locally made, mass produced. All right. You got it down. And then on the the line that runs horizontal, maybe you guys are going to be like, whoa, she does not. She did not pass math class, but I did. I did actually. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know how familiar you guys are with these terms. So I'm trying to make it as simple as possible, but probably overcomplicating it. Okay. So on the horizontal line, then in reference to Joe, the new moon, ba- new moon vegan, who's a, a baker that specializes in vegan goods. And she's also working on some gluten-free goods. Um, so on that horizontal line, then we're going to put gluten-free slash vegan. And the opposite of that is zero health restrictions, right? Like if you buy, I mean, even from Juanita, like, so in this case, so we have local, locally made at the top, we have mass produced at the bottom. We then on the other line we, that's perpendicular, well, running through it, gluten-free slash vegan, and then zero health restrictions. So in this case, if we're talking about New Moon Vegan and Juanita, New Moon Vegan would fall in the top left quadrant 
because they are locally made and gluten-free and vegan. All those baked goods. Juanita, by contrast, is locally made, but doesn't provide health restrictions. Like she, she doesn't, not that she doesn't accommodate them, but like that's not her position. It's not her position in the market. New Moon Vegan's position is vegan baked goods. It is a very specific corner of the market. And what she's setting out to do is to teach people that eating vegan doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to feel like super duper healthy, right? Um, so New Mood Vegan is gluten-free and locally made. Biscocho's Bakery, by, run by Juanita, is locally made, but offers zero, um, what's it called? It's not restrictions, but dietary accommodations maybe is what it is. So, okay. So if you're going to eat Juanita stuff, you better just be open to that moment that is consuming eggs and sugar and white flour and gluten and, you know, whatever other chemicals she puts in there. I mean, and I'm not saying her like, Okay, I didn't mean the word chemicals. Her stuff is still very good. And she puts all of the ingredients on the labels. So um, it's not about that. And then if you go down, so following the line down to brand name or mass produced, that's where, so Sarah Lee then would fall in the bottom right quadrant where they are mass produced cinnamon buns or dessert baked goods. And they also are not accommodating to any dietary restrictions, right? So like you, well, maybe now some of them are. Um, so we we'll put Sara Lee there. They own that corner of the market. And man, they've had, they've owned that corner of the market for years, right? Um, and then you can have gluten-free. Okay, so I don't know if you guys are familiar with a brand called Simple Mills, it is a healthier, like prepackaged baked good item. They also make like boxed box mixes, like for muffins or brownies or pancakes or cupcakes. We're a big fan of those here because they have minimum ingredients, but they are still brand name. They are still mass produced, but they are gluten free and they have the option to be vegan. So they do take into consideration dietary restrictions, right? So in this exercise, we have drawn our axis. The labels of our axis are locally made, mass produced on the top, from the top to the bottom. Running from left to right, we have gluten-free and vegan, and then zero dietary restrictions. And then we have filled in our quadrants. We've, we've been able to identify what position New Moon Vegan, New Moon vegan takes up. Biscocho's Bakery takes up, Sara Lee takes up, and Simple Mills takes up. So now that you've practiced one, I want you to do this for yourself. And you can do this as many times as you want, just changing the labels on the axis and moving your position around. And really the point is to see like, okay, well, where does my competitor, not necessarily competitor, but where do other people in the industry fall on this axis? So some other labels may be cheap and expensive, Handmade, mass-produced, made-to-order, one-size-fits-all, discount, luxury, fast fashion, classic staples. So ask yourself, where does your business fall? 
You want to find a combination of axes, a little corner of your industry that no one else offers. Get specific, be unique, have fun with this. Don't forget to think about your strengths, your unique selling proposition, and your SWOT analysis. That's why I said it'd be helpful to go back and listen to episode 98 in preparation for this one. What sets you apart from the rest? Start broadly with labels that define the the industry on the whole. And then as you practice and you get into this mode, you can get more specific. And so what's nice about being able to identify that position is right there, you're able to like, as a baked goods consumer, I can look at that axis and I can say, okay, I prefer to eat gluten-free and I prefer to eat locally made. So I'm going for new moon vegan. However... If I'm at the grocery store, if I'm in a rush, you know, if I don't have time to place an, a custom order or get to the farmer's market, but I still want like a healthier dessert, then for our family, we're choosing simple meals. I know a lot of you have boys at home, you know, like kids, young boys. Obviously, they can eat like probably a whole case of those Sarah Lee like cinnamon bun things. So everyone has their own motivation for purchasing. And that's what this is about. Understanding what your customer wants and saying, here I am for you, right? So you, it's just, it's just a fun way to get more specific in your market. So for example, we can talk about my business for a second and then we'll be done. So you guys know that I am a marketing coach. And so I drew my axis and on the top label, I put one-on-one coaching and on the other one, I put, so it was one-on-one services and then group services. And then, so that is my vertical line. And then on my horizontal line, I have consulting and coaching. So consulting being more like I would do the execution. And so more hands-on and coaching is very much so hands-off, right? You guys know. So on this axis then, marketing for the uninhibited falls in the top right quadrant because I provide one-on-one services that are coaching based, so hands off. And I have lots of friends, okay, so by con, to contrast, there is a a pretty famous marketing coach named Simone Soul who provides group services, but it's all coaching, so it's hands off. Uh, she has a great podcast too. It's called Joyful Marketing, if you guys want to check that out. So Simone is going to be in the bottom right quadrant. And then I have my friend Stacy at Mote Creative, who provides one-on-one services, but she is a consultant. So she's doing a lot of the work for you. And then down below, um, I think, you know, for example, I just saw a copywriter... I don't have an example for a group consulting, but um, I'm sure there's one out there. It's just not off the top of my head and we don't need to stay here any longer to figure it out. So that's it for today. I know that was a lot of work, but I hope that helps you guys clarify your position. Send me any questions you have. Don't, Don't hesitate to reach out if you need help with this one. Again, remember we are leveling up our marketing expertise with these marketing 201 topics. So 
You're stretching outside of your comfort zone. I'm so proud of you for doing these exercises and I can't wait to bring you the next one. Have a great day. Talk to you soon.